Friends, this is your friend Kent C. Dodds, and I'm joined by my friend Scott Moss. Say hi, Scott. What's up, y'all? Oh, well, that I, I did ask you to say hi, Scott, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I got you twice. Um, <laughs> actually, so this is the second recording because uh, something went wrong. I have no idea what it was. Maybe we should be recording a backup locally <laughs> this time, but hopefully everything goes well. This is the only time that Zencaster has failed me on, on recording. It's been amazing otherwise. Um, but, uh, yeah, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about something totally different because we got the first 17 minutes of the first recording that I'm going to tack on at the end of this one. So we're going to talk about something totally different, but uh, if you want to continue listening when we're finished, then absolutely. I recommend you do that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I still want everybody to get to know you, Scott, before we get into our conversation today. Um, so I met you, I, I think we established it was at ng-conf uh, years and years ago. Um, it was just a pleasure uh, to get to know you, and it's been a pleasure to be your friend for all this time. You want to give us a quick intro to who you are and what makes you tick? Yeah, so um, first of all, uh, I'm a dad. Um, I am a retired Navy veteran, spent four and a half years fixing helicopters and flying around the country doing stuff like that. Um, and I'm also a software engineer at Netflix where I work on uh, the TV app. So if you ever heard of that Netflix thing, uh, that's, that's what I work on. Uh, it's a pr pretty cool gig. Um, before that, I have started many startups, some funded, some consultancy-based, some teaching courses. I've pretty much tried to do as much as I can. And to this day, I still do a lot of teaching on platforms like Front End Masters. Uh, I don't speak as I don't speak at as many conferences as I used to, because the whole COVID thing and and just mm. really just being a dad and trying to spend more time with my kids. It's just catching up. Uh, but I used to speak a lot at conferences. And other than that, uh, I love playing video games. Uh, I love playing basketball. I play basketball like eight days a week if that's possible. Um, <laughs> wow. And, <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, I'm, I'm super passionate about helping people transition their careers into tech, whether it's learning to code or getting a promotion or becoming a product manager or designer or how to make it to a principal level, like whatever. I'm super passionate about that. Wow, that's awesome. Um, it's uh you, you keep yourself pretty busy, but it, I heard in what you said there that you've also been kind of intentional about the sort of things that you don't spend your time doing uh, so that you can focus uh, a little bit. And I, I think that's kind of what we want to talk about today is, um, especially as we're both dads, um, getting to uh, make sure that you're focused on the most uh, useful things so that you're not taking that valuable time away from uh, from your family. Can, can you tell us a little bit about your family situation? Yeah, so I am a father of two. I have a 10-year-old son and I have a, right now, she'll be three months tomorrow or three months Friday, I think. Wow. So man. yeah, a, a three-month-old. So yeah, we took like a 10-year break um, and together with, with their mom, uh, same mom, uh, we've been together since we were like 19 or, or 20 uh, since I was in the military and I'm wow. 31 now. So yeah, it's been, it's been a long time. Uh, but yeah, we're out here in Sacramento um, and we're all super close. Uh, me and my son, like, are like the same person. Uh, we play games together. We uh, do fitness stuff together. We look at bad TV shows and make jokes about them together. <laughs> um, so like, we're all just really close. Uh, we're, we're kind of like a, 
super modern family. Like, you know, at dinner time, we all eat our own meals because we all like different things, you know, that, that type <laughs> of vibe. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we, we just love being around each other. We're all, uh, we, we, look, we, we prefer to stay in than to go out. We're, we're definitely the type of family that would prefer just to chill and like watch Rick and Morty and eat popcorn uh, versus like, you know, going out camping or something like that. And, and we like that, but we, we just, if we had the choice, we would just stay inside all day and, with our fast Wi-Fi and, and do stuff <laughs> like that. Cool. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That it uh, it's fun that you and your son, like he's ten. My my oldest is um, gonna be nine soon, and as they are getting older, you can actually like do fun things, like things that you think are fun too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, my son is at the point now, and he's actually been here for maybe three years now. Where if we play competitive games, it's it's a toss up. Like you know, it's it's usually like, oh, you're just a kid. I'm just I'm just gonna destroy you. But like now, it's just like, okay, there's a really good chance I'm probably gonna lose because he's really <laughs> good. <laughs> and you know, it's been like that for a while. And I'm just like, wow, am I getting bad or is, is this kid just like you know a, a prodigy? Like I don't understand. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really fun to have to have him at this age now. Not not basketball though, right? Like you've still got the height and everything. Yeah, not bad. He's you know I think he's gonna be taller than me. You know I'm I'm six five, but like he's I think he's gonna be much taller than me. I can just I can just tell. Uh, but he actually doesn't like playing basketball. He prefers uh, his, his sports of choice is Muay Thai and gymnastics. So he likes to do that. Uh, that that's his thing. He tried basketball, but like. You know, he doesn't have a lot of patience for other kids um, because he was the only child for such a long time. And, you know, he only grew up around adults. That's just his mentality. He's pretty mature. So, like, when he's around kids his age or even sometimes slightly older, he just doesn't have the patience for them. And so anything team sports related, he's just like, like, you guys got to focus, like, stop goofing around. Let's let's be serious. And, like, you know, kids that age aren't, you know, they're goofing around and stuff. So he's like, I don't, I don't want to deal with them. So that's kind of that's his personality. Oh, that's cool. I I was into gymnastics as a uh, around his age actually. Um, that was awesome. I, I love that, and and I think that my son actually will also be taller than me. But that's not saying a whole lot because I'm only like five <laughs> ten. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, cool. So um, yeah, and I guess I'll just mention that I I have four kids. My oldest is turning nine soon, and and my youngest is uh, three, and so we're we're all pretty tightly packed. Um, mm-hmm. for us, it's like uh, five years, uh, difference from the oldest to youngest thereabouts. So yeah, wow. it, yeah, it was pretty wild, um, how fast that happened. And it brings with it some interesting aspects of like, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just different. Every family is different. Every situation is different. Um, and, uh, one, one nice thing about it is they're all pretty close friends for the most part. Um, yeah. they're, cause they're close in age and everything. So they can do lots of the same things, uh, together. And they are getting a little older. So, yeah, doing fun stuff that's fun for them is also starting to become uh, fun for me. Um, yeah. Just like intrinsically, not just because I'm spending time with them, but it's actually a fun activity uh, on its own, too. Right. Something so, you would do by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So um, you were uh, were you a father when you started in uh, tech or uh, did you become a father after you got into tech? Yeah, so I was a father a year after high school so yeah way before i got into tech um when i was 19 that's when we found out we were having a son Uh, i was in the navy stationed in san diego and then i got the news and you know what at that time i was i was borderline depressed because the military i mean the military comes at you hard 
Um, so I was just, you know, in my feelings and just really trying to navigate the waters of the military and then finding out that I was going to have a, a, a child that actually like brightened everything for me. Like it gave me like a purpose and like I felt alive again. And like, it was just like someone just recharged my battery. So like it, it was, I think that's when I became who I am today is when I found out I was having a child back then. Uh, you know, I, I can relate to that super strong too. And I, I was still in school when I um, had my first kid and uh, she just changed my motivation um, to like what I was doing. I worked harder and um, I cared more about the things that I did. And, um, and I cared less about other things. Was there anything like that for you? Like, did you, did you have a, a shift in what was like important to you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at the time, I was like trying to become a pilot in the Navy. Um, I wanted to fly helicopters, maybe even jets, even though I think I was too tall for jets. Um, and they had like this program you had to go through because I was enlisted and you have to become an officer, which requires a degree and all this other stuff. Uh, but they have like this transitional program that you could apply for. and It's really hard to get into. So I was like shooting for that. I was just like, you know, kissing up to everyone, just trying to get everyone's good graces to get approved to this program. Because like, you know, no matter what I'm doing, I'm going to try to do it the best. And the best that there was in the aviation community in the Navy was to be a pilot. So I was like, that's what I'll be. And then when I found out I was having a child, I just didn't care about it anymore. I was just like, oh, no, I don't want to do this anymore. This is dangerous. Like I want to be around here for my child and I want to see him grow and, and I want to provide for them. Like, I don't care about this. I want to. I want to do something else, and and that's actually the first time I started looking into getting into tech was because I found out that I was having a child and I needed something a little more. Uh, I don't know, safer with a lot more freedom and some more consistency, so I can have more time with them. You know, I didn't want to be out on an eleventh month tour on the boat and come back and my son's twice as tall as me. Like I, I was like, I can't live like that. You know, thankfully, we do have people that make those sacrifices and I'm so thankful for them. But like I couldn't I wasn't that person. I couldn't do it. So, yeah, I immediately was like, yeah, I'm not reenlisting. I'm not doing this program anymore. I got to figure something else out. Uh, and that was not even a year into the Navy. So I had like four or five more years left. I was already like, I don't want to do this anymore. Wow. I, and um, for folks who continue listening after this, uh, you were uh, discharged, you were medically discharged. Uh, and, and that's how you got into tech, which uh, could be seen as a bit of a miracle for what you were trying to uh, trying to do. Yeah, it, it the, those events, the way that that worked out was 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 crazy. So um, I when I was in the military, I always had like these episodes of where I would, these bouts of where I would get dehydrated quite often. And um, if you if you do CrossFit or like triathlons a lot, you might come across a condition called uh, rhabdomyolysis. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of that. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's basically when you're severely dehydrated and um, you, your muscles release this protein that basically interferes with how your kidneys process, you know, filter your blood and stuff like that. And it basically clogs your kidneys and you can have kidney failure. Like you, can, you could die. Yeah. So typically you'll get that once or twice your whole life. If you're extreme fitness, uh, I had it like five times in the Navy within like three years uh, to the point where like, I had like temporary paralysis in some of my limbs. So, and, and they didn't think anything of it. They was like, whatever, they'll, you know, give me 10 bags of saving solution in the hospital for two days and then send me home. And uh, one day we were getting ready to, um, we were debting up to, to go out on a on a, uh, a, de a debt on the boat. So we had to do like a physical to make sure everyone was healthy. And 
I'm like the healthiest person in my command. So no one thought that like I was going to have any problems. But when I went to the doctor, he was like, yeah, you know, everything checks out. You're great. You're healthy. You knew that. But, you know, I was looking at your record. It turns out you have like all these bouts with rhabdo. Like, you know, do you feel safe with that? Because there's no dialysis machine on the boat. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave this up to you. And I was just like, I was like, I was going to get out anyway. And seeing it only have like less than a year, I wasn't going to reenlist. And he was like, oh, okay, well, I'll just do you the favor right now. And you're just going to get discharged. And I was like, oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> so he just, he's just, you know, I came back to my command. I was like, all right, Moss. You get to go, right? And I was just like, oh, actually, no, I'm getting processed out. And uh, this is my last day at this command. I'm going to another command. And they were like, what? You're like the most fit guy here. This is crazy. There's nothing wrong with you. And I was like, apparently there is. Uh, so, you know, that happened. But I didn't know what day I was going to get out because, like, the VA has to, like, they actually have to diagnose me with something to, to figure out what my benefit is going to be. So they took, like, a chunk of muscle out of my leg and sent it to some lab in Sweden to figure out what was going on with me. And, uh, and it turned out I had some type of mitochondrian mutation that affected how I processed water or, or something like that, or something weird. Uh, but during that time, I had no idea when I was getting out. Uh, and then in parallel, I'm trying to figure out how to get into tech. Uh, so like I find this boot camp, I applied, I didn't get in. I found another one, I applied, I didn't get in. And I just kept at it until I finally got accepted into a boot camp. And then it gave me a date of like, November 7th, 2013 is, is when I start. And this is around August. I figure out what that date is. Still don't know when I'm getting out of the military. So I'm just like, okay, I have to be out of the military by November. I don't know when I'm getting out. And literally the very next day I go into my command and I get a call from the VA and they're like, yep, we figured out your date. It's going to be October 31st, Halloween, 2013. So literally seven days before I'm supposed to report to San Francisco and go to a boot camp, uh, I'm getting out. And I was just, I remember just sitting I was working in a lab at a time testing oil samples. I just remember just like just crying. Just like this couldn't have worked out any better. This is this wow. is crazy. Yeah, that that's nothing short of a miracle. You couldn't have made that happen yourself. That that's awesome. Right. Um, boy, that <clears throat> that's really cool. So you um, you saw your life situation. You're like, this isn't conducive to the the family life that I want to have. So I'm going to find a way to to make this this work and. And whether it's divine providence or luck, however people want to think of that, you, know, you got out. Um, and then it, you were able to, to jump into tech and have the lifestyle that, that you want to be with your yeah. family. Um, have you had any challenges with um, the tech lifestyle not being what's like best for the family or, or like, um, you know how when, when you have that first kid, your priorities all change and you, like your motivations change. Uh, so that you can be more focused on the family. Um, have you ever had something like creep into your life where you kind of lost track or, or um, I guess I'm trying to pull out like some learnings and advice that people could get for if they yeah. ever run into that sort of situation themselves? Yeah, absolutely. So when I got my first job, um, it was it was a great, great job. It was a challenging job. Um, but when, like once once I realized like what was possible as an engineer and like what the ceiling was, which at that point I didn't see a ceiling and I still don't. Uh, I, I knew that a job just wasn't going to be enough for me. I needed, I needed, I need to be able to create, I need to be able to be responsible for change. Uh, so I would come home from my job uh, when I was living in Oakland and I would just like work on tons of side projects and, and tons of, tons of like startup ideas and things like that. And, you know, I always thought that 
it was a worthy sacrifice of like, I'm going to come home and I'm going to grind for another eight hours until two o'clock in the morning every single day, even on the weekends. And I, I did that for a year. And it's because I was like caught up in this machine, you know, this, this Bay Area, Silicon Valley machine of trying to keep up with everyone and, and trying to produce and be the next billionaire and like and, and do all this stuff. There was just so much artificial pressure uh, to do that, um, especially someone breaking in, you know, as a black man with no education. Like there was just so much pressure like to succeed that way. And, you know, I, I can't go back to that year right now and remember hardly any interactions I had with my son. And we lived in the same place. Like I don't remember, like he grew so much in that year and I missed all of it. You know, he, he went from, you know, being like a little kid to like now he's playing like fighting games. And, and mm. like, uh, you know, he went from deciding what food he wanted to eat and picking his own clothes and, and, having longer sentences and, and stuff like that. And, and all he wanted was my attention, but I was just on the computer with my noise canceling headphones on trying to create the next hundred million dollar company or something like that. Um, and I thought that that was, you know, okay. I thought that was standard. I thought that it would be worth it. And like, it wasn't, it totally wasn't because not only did I not succeed within that year or the goals that I set out, I lost so much time with my son um, that I would never give back. And I always told myself that, like, I had to do that. Like, I had to put all the time I needed into these things. But what I'm learning now, years later, is that it's not really the quantity of time that I put into something, but really the quality of the time that I put into something. You know, I, if I go back and actually look at all the work that I was doing, most of it was just sitting there, like, researching and figuring out problems. It wasn't, like, so much of, like, hands-on actually building stuff. And I could have done that better like I could have done that on my own time I could have did that when I was riding the BART or at work or you know taking a poop on the phone like I could have been doing stuff like that whereas like instead I was doing that when I should have been hanging out with my son um mm. and I totally regret that and, and and I'm not the type of person that that gets influenced you know by the zeitgeist of just having everyone just you know trying to keep up and stuff like that like that's not typically who I am but I, I, I was I was attracted to that lifestyle and that's what I wanted to be and I got lost in it and uh you know I definitely re regret that yeah man I, I I can relate to that as well uh I have definitely had times in my life where I was um too concerned about um keeping up and being the best and um uh, comparing myself to other people how do you pull out of that? Like what, what made you decide, you know what, this, I'm going to change this. Like, did, uh, did your wife say, Hey, yo, like, don't you want to be a dad sometime? Or what, what, like, what, what did it, uh, what made that change for you? Um, so she was really supportive, um, because so to go back, her and I, we had a history where, so when I got into the boot camp, we were actually going through a divorce because for, for a lot of reasons, but mostly because I sounded like a crazy person saying, hey, I'm going to get out of the military and like go be an engineer. She was like, what are you talking about? That sounds so ridiculous. So her and I were not together when I was learning to code. But then when I finally landed a job and stuff and, you know, we, we got back together, I think at that point she was like, well, I guess I can't doubt you anymore. So because of that, she was just full support of everything that I did because like everything I do sounds crazy, but somehow I figure it out. So she was just like, you know, she would keep my son away from me when he's like tapping my shoulder, I'm trying to work and stuff like that. So she was in full support about it. So it wasn't her, it was mostly, you know, I followed what made me happy. You know, at the end of the day, the few moments that I did get to see my son was just like instant dopamine 
made me happy, the brightest part of my day. And then like, I dreaded getting back on the computer, trying to build and trying to do things. It always felt like a sacrifice. It always felt like work. So, you know, I just started one day, I was like, you know what? I want to do what makes me happy. You know, I, I don't want to do something that might make me happy in the future. I want to do something that makes me happy right now. And like hanging out with my son makes me happy right now. And, and that's what I'm going to focus on because that's what's best for his future, right? I'm, I'm so concerned about like my future and framing it like, oh, this is what's best for my family. But in reality, it's my ego saying like, oh, this is what you need to do. But what's best for his future is for me to spend more time with him uh, so he can understand what it means to, to, to be who he is in this world. And, and, you know, I might not be here tomorrow and I want to pass so many lessons on to him, so many failures that I've had and, and things like that. And I'm missing those opportunities. So, yeah, ultimately, it was just like, I, I just want to be happy and hanging out with him makes me happy. Oh, dude, that's so true. And so it, it requires uh, some self-awareness to recognize, um, am I happy and why am I not happy? And and I think that's that's a good takeaway for people is like reevaluate where you're at right now. And are you doing doing the things that are bringing you happiness? Mm -hmm. Are you at the yeah. company that that you're happy at um, or are you with the, the partner that you're happy with, I guess? And like yeah. whatever, whatever it is. Um, and uh, um, I think that relationships are where happiness comes from. I'm, I'm convinced yeah. of this. And um, what, what's interesting is, um, so I, like, I love being a dad um, and I love spending time with my kids. Um, and like, I think for most people, the reason that you go out and get a job is so that you can support the things that you don't get paid for, right? Spending time with your family and stuff. And so once you have uh, taken care of those those basic needs, then you can go and uh, and hang out with your your kids and, and be with your family and, and uh, develop those relationships. Um, for me, though, I have just gotten so sucked into my work that um, like there's... Um, you know, there's some character flaws in myself where um, I'm just so motivated by um, people saying, hey, thanks for all that you're doing or whatever it mm -hmm. is. Um, I or, you know, releasing something, launching something big and and uh, and I can really easily lose sight um, for, you know, there's like a, a temporary rush or, or something that is uh, insatiable uh, about mm -hmm. working on projects and stuff like that, um, whereas on the flip side, hanging out with my family um, and building those relationships, um, that's that is happiness that just keeps coming. And mm -hmm. it, there's there's also the hard part of all of this. We can talk about that maybe too. Um, the hard part of being a, a, a dad. <laughs> um, there's plenty of that, but uh, but for the most part, like the the interesting thing about becoming a parent for me was that I was um, my capacity to feel was just enormously increased. Mm -hmm. So like I can feel more happiness than I've ever felt in my life, but I can also feel the opposite end of the spectrum more mm -hmm. than I'd ever felt in my life. And, and, um, anyway, it's, it, I think that it's just so easy to get distracted by the things that don't really matter. Um, yeah. but give you some sort of like some rush, I guess, um, that, uh, that distract you from those relationships that bring the real happiness. Yeah, absolutely. I've fallen victim to that, to those circumstances so many times, uh, and yeah, you have to be active about it because like it, it creeps up on you. Like you, your um, 
your subconscious is telling you like, oh yeah, this this will be good for the family. You should totally do it. But really, that's yes. just like uh, you justifying this stuff. Yeah, it's just like, oh, is this really going to be good for them, or is it better if I'm just here watching Rick yeah. and Morty with them? Like that's probably better. <laughs> uh, so like, it, it's it's tough. Yeah, you know that that definitely happens to me where I I kind of convince myself that it's uh, what I'm doing is is better for them. Um, but uh, I think a big part of it is actually um, it's a coping mechanism, at least it is for me, for yeah. the challenges of being a parent, um, because it is uh. super, super hard. Like I would I would, uh, you know, there are things that I have to do as a parent, um, you know, they're not listening or or whatever it is, they're being disrespectful, um, stuff like that. Um, those are just really tough challenges um, that I, I don't enjoy experiencing, um, but I have to deal with when I'm a parent. And I don't have to deal with those things when I'm uh, in my office here doing work. Right. You know, I've, I've got other problems and stuff, but those those are fun and interesting challenges. Um, right. Whereas being a dad, it just comes with tons of challenges. Is that similar for you? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the biggest challenges for me was like developing patience because um, as a child, like I had zero patience, you know, like I, I grew up in poverty. So like, I'm just so used to, you know, worrying about today and never thinking about tomorrow. So my mindset was just like always fast, like get something now, figure out tomorrow, tomorrow when it gets here. And I just didn't have any patience for anything. I never had that. I never experienced, you know, um, long-term gratification. Everything was short-term gratification for me, like instant. So when it came to having kids, you have to have patience, you know, especially for like babies. Like it's, it's just not going to work out if you aren't going to be patient because you can't reason with the baby. You, you can't tell them like, hey, it's going to be okay. You can relax and go to sleep for nine hours so I can sleep. Yeah, right. It, it doesn't happen that way. So you, you, you have to develop the patience. And that was really hard for me. Um, you know, I've really struggled with that because I wanted to be the best dad I could be. Um, but at the same time, like, I felt like I was losing my edge of what it made me, you know, what made me me, what made me this person that was just out here just going after everything because I was just really aggressive about it. But then like, here I am a dad that's super patient and, and waiting and, and, and empathizing. And I feel like I was losing my edge, but I had to realize that like, being this this is my life like being a dad and you know being here in my family that's my life work is not my life right it, it was like the other way around for me whereas like work was my life and then now i'm here with my family and i, I had to like flip those roles and and work became more of like an auxiliary thing where like yeah sometimes i'll flip on a switch and you know i'll be uh you know a different personality um but that's only for work and that's only to get things done but then i have to come out of it and i have to be here, be present and be my true self with my family. Um, and it didn't feel like a struggle anymore. It didn't feel like I was competing between the Scott who's getting stuff done and the Scott who's trying to be a responsible dad. It was just like, well, I am a responsible dad. And then sometimes I have to go over here and like aggressively go after a goal, uh, but only when no one's watching and then I'll go back and, and be a dad. Uh, so, you know, that was really tough for me um, was to, to learn some patience. And now I would say, I'm extremely patient. Like I'm at the point now where like I even look forward to like the baby like getting up or crying because I'm just like, all right, I get to put the baby back to sleep. This is gonna be fun. Like you know, it's always <laughs> like a 
they're like a puzzle. Like, what's all right? Is it the diaper or, or no, no, the bottle? No, no, you need burping. No, you want to be held this way. Okay, and it's like trying to figure <laughs> it out. Like that's actually exciting to me. So wow, whereas with, awesome. with the first child, it was not. I was just like, oh my god! Like, can you please just go back to sleep? Like, you know, what? Like, please, you know, like trying to reason with the kid. And now it's just like, nah, let's let's do this. Oh man, I I need to get me some of whatever you've got. It's something in the water you're drinking, or I don't know, but because um, yeah, that that sounds great. Um, so when when you are like totally focused on the family and you have okay, well I've got you've got work stuff that you need to do, and I, I even if um, money wasn't an object and and we're you know totally fine and whatever, I don't think that um, it's absolutely necessary to spend 100% of your time just focused on the kid. And I don't think that's necessarily good for the the kid, especially as they get older. They need to have some right. time on their own and, and things. And so like naturally, you're going to have time, even in that scenario, uh, to, mm-hmm. to get work done. And and you want to. And, and it's part of like your life of, um, of being um, just improving yourself. Um, and hopefully making the rest of the world better at, uh, all the while. So, um, what strategies have you taken to make sure that the time you do have to work is the most productive time that you can, uh, can have. So you're not wasting any of that precious time. Oh, that's a good question. Um, wow. Um, for me, um, I, it's hard, like, even if I had the time to sit down and work, I won't be able to focus unless I knew everything was like handled, you know, like uh, kids are either in school or they're fed or maybe they're napping, like all chaos is calm. There's nothing going on. And cause if that, if there's like a storm happening behind my door, like, I don't care. I can't sit down and do anything. I'm just, I, I have a, I'm a problem solver. I got to go out there and fix it. So really it's just like making sure that like your house is in order, make sure everything is good. You and your partner are on a you know understanding level that you got to go here and you got to work, you know, and there's there's a you know understanding there and, and everything is taken care of. You know, make sure you know like like one thing that I would do is like I would um, I should just like come in my room and I would just work, but um, I would be sometimes I would be on the hook for like figuring out food or cooking or some stuff like that and I just wouldn't do it. Like I just wouldn't. I would just forget. I would just be grinding. So now like everyone's starving and I'm just like. Oh yeah, I guess I was supposed to do that, and Oops. you know, <laughs> you know, because I'm I'm treating I'm treating like any other task, like oh I'll get to it when I get to it, you know, after this meeting, after this meeting, after this meeting. Uh, when in reality, I should have figured that stuff out ahead of time, had it all planned out, and that would have enabled me to sit down and actually work efficiently and and not be worried about that. So yeah, just taking care of everything up front uh, makes it a lot easier to just sit down and focus. Um, the other thing is like I avoid. I I try to avoid anything that's like how do I describe this like exploratory based work where it's like there's not an end in sight it's just like you know there there's not a really a goal for this type of work it's just like you're just trying to go consume something you're trying to go learn something as much as you can I try my best to avoid that at all times whenever like my family needs me so like during prime hours I'll avoid trying to go learn a new technology or go read up on something cuz that I can be here forever I can be stuck in that world for weeks and I don't want to do it. So I'll wait till they'll go to sleep or I'll wake up early or if they go on a walk or if they go to their grandparents' house, then I'll do some of that work because I want to stick to just focusing on things that have clear, concise ends in sight, you know, really good goals that I can just like get done in a short burst of, you know, two hours, three hours, and then I'm done. 
And that has been a lot better because for me, you know, being a parent, I'm sure you feel this way. Like the longer you spend away from your family, like, I don't know, like the more you start to worry, like even if they're just on the other side of the door. So like you kind of just got to check in, whether it's just like a text message or just pop your head out to see if everything's cool. And I feel like the longer you work, the, the more that anxiety builds up and the less productive you get. So I try to just stick to like, all right, I'm going to just focus for two and a half hours, three hours, whatever I get done in that amount of time, that's what's going to get done. That means I get finished. Cool. If it doesn't mean I get finished. I can come back in another block of time, maybe the next day or an hour from now, and we'll figure it out. But I have to go like reset my anxiety. I have to go reset uh, my worries and make sure everything's good. Check in with everybody, make sure I'm still present. And then, I, and then I can come back. And that has been helpful for me. Whereas before I was like, let me just get this done. And then when I get this done, then I'll go be a dad. And that doesn't work um, because it's never done. You're always working <laughs> on it. So, you know, yeah. you're always, and then you're, you're literally pushing off your family. You're pushing them away. But you're like, in your head, you're like, but I'm doing it for you. What are you talking about? I'm, uh, I'm trying yeah. to hurry and get this done so I can hang out with you. What are you talking about? Um, but, you know, it's not it's not perceived that way, you know, especially from, you know, yeah. a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old. So, yeah, that's some of the stuff I've been doing. Yeah, it sounds like you just really focus on the um, the high-value stuff and, and you avoid that that low-value or, or no-value uh, sort of yeah. things. Um, you kind of gotten rid of the craft and, and uh, focus on stuff that's that's useful um yeah i and there was one other thing earlier you mentioned that um um, the the amount of time that you spend um with uh with doing work um it doesn't matter as much as the quality of of things that you're Mm -hmm. doing so that kind of ties in there and when you said that it kind of made me think the same is true for our relationships um where the, the quality of time uh, is much more important than the quantity of time. Now, they're both important. Uh, they, they require our time in some cases, and then the, the relationships need that time. Uh, but it's the quality just matters so much. And, and when it's so easy to be distracted by our devices and things, um, mm-hmm. our, my kids notice, um, the, the kids know, and, and the relationship suffers um, when, we're not, uh, in, when we're not engaged and we're not present. Um, and so right. I think by like saying okay this is work time i'm gonna just get a bunch of work done be focused and uh and then when family time starts that this is the thing i really struggle with is like i'm always like oh i'm so close to this checkpoint or whatever and (laughs) you know i eat into family time i gotta stop doing that um and just say you know i didn't finish um you know if it's only five minutes left it will only be five minutes tomorrow (laughs) you know i I can continue this tomorrow so yeah yeah it's uh, being a, a dad in tech is awesome. Um, I love it. Um, was there anything else you wanted to talk about before we give folks the homework? Yeah, um, I did want to talk about you know the tech industry in general and like how I don't know like how some of the ro- some of the roadblocks you might run into you know as a parent in the tech mm-hmm. industry, especially like Silicon Valley, you know um, because like. A lot of a lot of folks in tech, and, and it's not even such like an age thing. I would say it's like everyone's so young; they don't have children. Not really. Like there's people, you know. That's the other thing. Like people in the tech are like all over the spectrum. I work with people yeah. that are like sixty. I work with people that are like seventeen. They're like all over the place. But like none of them have kids, <laughs> so it's like, um, especially in the Bay Area. I think it's different, maybe in Utah or in other places like LA. But in the Bay Area, almost no one has kids. Like they just have dogs, and like that's it. <laughs> So like everything's structured 
around the like whenever you tell someone like oh yeah i have a kid oh well that's that's oh. fascinating <laughs> you know it's yeah like Just it's like, like uh, propagating the human race is that like right. so unusual <laughs> it's so unusual it's so foreign and you know every the whole culture is created around that right like it's it's everything like there's so many something like there's never like rules that say like you must be here at this time you must work on saturdays but like you feel obligated to because everyone else is right. It's, it's like an unspoken thing. You want to keep up. You want to be competitive. You don't want to lose your job, but that's really hard to do with, with children. Even if you have a partner, that's just really tough to do. It's, it's going to be hard to find that quality time when you're working, you know, like quality time might be like, okay, if your daughter or your son has an event, uh, something at school, a sports event, something where like, if you were there it would mean the world to them. You might miss that because you're trying to keep up with your colleague at work because that's just the culture that you work in because it's built around people with no children. Um, and, and, and your, your, your bosses might say like, Hey, we support families. We have all these benefits and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, you do, but your culture doesn't. Your yeah. culture is like making me feel like I have to be here. Like everyone around me is getting raises and I'm not. And you saying I'm doing fine. So like, is it because I'm not working harder? Like, what is it? And you know, you feel like you have to do that and you got to make those sacrifices. And I told myself I was not going to uh, be part of that. I just wasn't going to do it. So first thing I did when I got my first job, I was like, look, I have a kid. Kid comes first. I'm never going to work weekends. I'm never going to keep up with anyone. And uh, that's just how it is. Don't expect me to do it. And they were like, okay, all right, we, uh, we won't do that. We won't expect you to do it. And that's mm -hmm. just how I've been. And I think just by saying that first, making that clear so it's not like, you know, like one of those times, like you'll be out at Disney World with your, with your family or whatever, and you'll get that Slack message, and you you know you already you already know it you already know what it is. You don't even want to look at it. Your heart kind of just like oh, I don't want to look at this Slack message, and yeah. you look at it, and someone asking you a question about something, so you start freaking out. Like if I don't get to a computer and help them, like it's going to look bad on me. Like yeah. so, but I think if you set that expectation first. You can just ignore that and not feel bad. Like, hey, I told y'all I'm not doing that. Like, you already knew what I, what I was about before I got here, and that's just not how it is. So, that's that's pretty much you know how I handle it. I've, I've actually had to like leave a job because I had situations where they felt like I wasn't available enough, and I just got tired of them feeling that way about me. So I just left. I was like, I'm not gonna put up with this. Like, I'm an engineer. I just go find another job. Like, I don't care. So. I just left um, because I'm not I'm not going to bow down to that culture um, and, you know, try to fit in with everyone. Um, I do think it's changing, though. And I think that's because just just the time of everything. Like you look at like, you know, after the bubble in the 90s and like how everything is growing now. If you look at the people that have been involved, we're getting older now. Like we're all 30s and 40s and approaching 50s and we're all having children uh, if we don't have them already. So I feel like. The people who have created some of the technologies that are like the favorite technologies today, the Instacarts, the Airbnbs of the world, they're all older now and they're all having children. And once they do, they're going to change the cultures of the companies that they're creating and the companies that they invest in and things like that. So I do see it changing, um, but there definitely were some like roadblocks that I think people who are new to tech would be hesitant to address. They would just be like, okay, uh, I just got to tiptoe the line and figure it out. But I'm here to tell you that if you get into that that role and that culture is like trying to pressure you to be at, you know, work like you're just some single straight out of college kid, don't um, because it's not fair and you should speak up and you should let it be known. 
and don't try to play both sides. Oh man, that thank you, bravo! Yeah, that, I think that is great. I um, in, in Utah there are a lot of families, so I haven't um, had too much of that. But that I, it, it's a global uh, like we, we live in a very global society, and and I have definitely felt like how in the world am I going to keep up with these like people that are at their prime and, and don't have kids and maybe even they don't even have a spouse that they like are right. building that relationship for. They just spend, you know, 17 hours a day coding. So I'll never be able to keep up. And the fact is who cares? You don't need to. Um, you right. just, you know, who cares? the more that I, I in this, the more that I realize that it doesn't really, matter if you keep up with Joe because Alex is that much further ahead in this other thing. And so like yeah. you'll never be able to keep up with the collective everybody. And mm -hmm. so uh, don't don't bother comparing yourself to, to other people um, and focus on on the things that really bring you happiness. Uh, and I think that's that's the big takeaway. Yeah, for me, like my goals that like that I know I'm like getting better is two things. Uh, I always pick my birthday because I can remember that day and I always like try to like test myself every year to see if I'm just that much better. Uh, if I've like, you know, improved technically, uh, communicatively, like whatever it is, like just anything. I just want to see if I'm better. So I have like these questions that I ask myself or, or I have my partner ask me just to see like if I'm getting better. So that's one thing, because I only want to outdo myself. I'm not concerned about anyone else. I'm only competitive with myself. So it's like it's like those games you'll play where like those racing games where you'll race against the ghost of yourself and you're trying to oh, yeah. beat the lap. That's me. Like I'm just trying to race against last year me and I just want to do slightly better. Uh, a half a percent increases is, is amazing to me. So like that's that's what I'm trying to do. So that's one thing. The other thing is I want to see if my kids improve. Right. Because, Ooh, yeah, right. I want to see how much they have improved, like if, if their mentalities, if their emotions and their feelings and the way that they see life is the same as it was last year. Then like I failed, I failed miserably because a whole year went by and I didn't show them anything. I didn't teach them anything. I didn't you know, I wasn't I wasn't supporting them. Like I want to see a big change in my children every single year. So I always look at those to see if I'm making progress and I, I just don't compare myself to the industry or what anyone else is doing, like I could care less, you know, I, I know someone in their twenties who's a billionaire and like, I don't care, like good for you, man. That's great. Like, you know, I have two beautiful children uh, that I, I wouldn't trade for hundreds of billions of dollars. Uh, mm -hmm. So like, you know, it, it, to me, like that's all that matters to me. Oh, dude. Love it. I love it. That's great. Um, so let's wrap up with our, our homework here. Um, so Scott, there you told me earlier that there was a, a time in your life where you evaluated how you used your time. Do you want to describe that a little bit so we can give that as homework? Yeah. So one point in my life, um, I reached like this peak level anxiety of like my son was like having performance issues at school and he was acting out, which is so out of his character. And we drilled down and found out it was mostly because of the lack of attention I was giving him. And it was easy to find out uh, when I was giving him attention, he performed well. When I wasn't, he didn't perform well. It was that simple. So we I had to make a change. I was like, all right, I, I have to find a way because I was actually running a company too. Like I had like 20 employees at one point. So I was like, I can't just slow down and like just stop business. Like I got to figure out a way. So I had to figure out a system of how I can still be productive, uh, but also be there for my child. Um, and 
the best. Uh, actually, my girlfriend suggested she's like, well, you just need to make more time. And I was like, you know, make more. T- I don't have any time. You see how busy I am all the time. She was like, yeah, but like, really, what do you do? And I was like, what do you mean? What do I do? Like, I do all this stuff. She was like, does it have to be done? And like, you know, what are you doing in between? So I was like, okay, I'm just going to, you know what? I'm just going to write down everything that I do so you can see. And then like, that's what I did for a whole week. I just, for every minute, I was like, all right, this is what I did. I woke up, I brushed my teeth. I had this meeting. I like took 20 minutes looking at ESPN for some reason. I don't even really watch sports that much. Why am I looking at ESPN? Or like one morning I woke up and I literally sat in the bed for an hour and a half looking at Reddit and YouTube before I even got out of the bed. Hmm. You know, just weird things like that. And and then like I calculated that like I was pretty much wasting 20, 25 hours a week on hmm. things that add no value to either work or my family or me. Just like random stuff of, of not doing anything. And I was just like, wow, that like... I felt so disgusting because, mm. you know, here I am saying like, oh, I don't have that much time to spend with my kids without sacrificing from my job. And I do. I have plenty <laughs> of time. <laughs> and, it just, and it felt so bad that I was just going to brush that off without even investigating, without even trying. So, yeah, um, homework. If you feel like you are struggling to find the time to maybe even break into technology, like as an engineer, a product, a product management or designer, or maybe you're already in tech and you're having a hard time balancing the tasks that you have at work and staying productive and being in the limelight, but also being a parent, I would urge you to sit down and record every single minute of your day, of your week, whatever cadence you want, and go back and watch all of the time that you wasted on things that add no value to the goals that you set for yourself. Uh, because at the end of the day, you know, you, you want to use this time you have now to pursue the goals that you have and be there for the family, pretty much nothing else matters at this point. Um, when you get older, I'm, I'm sure things will be different. But for now, go after the goals that you want and be there for your family and put all your time into those things, right? Whether it's building a stronger relationship with your partner or helping your, your daughter or your son grow in whatever task they're doing, or maybe you're launching a startup, like those are probably the most important things in your life. So put the time into those things and then everything else, get rid of it, cut it out, and, you know, it's going to take some time to get to the point where getting rid of that stuff is so natural that you don't have to think about it anymore, uh, because most of those things are probably bad habits that you've just picked up along the way, things that carried over from your previous life, things that like you just cannot get away from. So it's going to take some time, but that's where the discipline comes in. Um, and if you're consistent with it, you know, next two or three months, it'll just be regular to you. Like you'll feel, you'll notice when you start wasting time, you'll be like, what? Wait, what am I doing? And you'll get right back on track. <laughs> so like it, it takes some time, but I highly recommend doing that. And that's pretty much what I did. Dude, I, I love it. I think I think that's great. And, and there's something to be said of, of like spending time for self-care and, you know, like you want to take care of yourself. But yeah, that's watching uh, YouTube videos and scrolling Reddit or Twitter or something, that's not self-care. <laughs> that's not <laughs> that's, self-care. That's that's exactly. coping. <laughs> yes, that is that is coping. 100%. That's a good word. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Hey, Scott, it's been such a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and experience in your life with us. Um, and uh, what's the best place for people to, to reach out to you and connect with you and keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, best place would definitely be on Twitter. Um, you can hit me up there. My DMs are open. I try to respond as soon as I can, but these days I get a lot. <laughs> so uh, bear with me, but I do try to go, like, I don't try to go two weeks without at least looking at every single message that I get. So if you hit me up on there, uh, let me know. But yeah, you can follow me at Scott Ups with one T on Twitter. Um, other than that, yeah, that's 
pretty much where I'm at most of the time. Sweet. All right. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you all in the future. All right. Peace. All right. And like I said, uh, we are going to play that last bit or, or the first bit of our last recording that uh, got chopped off. It's great. So I encourage you to continue listening and we'll play that right now. Hello, friends. This is your friend, Kent C. Dodds, and I'm joined by my friend, Scott Moss. Say hey, hi, everybody. Scott. Uh, I did ask you to say hi, Scott, um, but that's okay. Uh, hi, everybody. <laughs> um, so I, I'm excited to, to chat with Scott. Uh, Scott and I have known each other for a long time. I think we met at NGConf like 2014 or something like that. Is that is that right, Scott? Oh, I can't remember. that long ago? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's been a while. Maybe it was 2015. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's been a long time. But it was, I'm pretty sure it was the Angular JS community uh, that we we got to know each other, um, and it's just been a, a pleasure to to keep up with you over the years. So the cool things that you are working on, um, and oh, you know what? I remember. I think it was uh, at I think it was NGConf. You told your story of how you got into yep. software. That's right. Um, and I, I actually, I was so inspired by that story. I, I walked up to you and, and just told you, thank you so much for, for sharing that. I, I'm still inspired by it. Uh, I'd love for the audience to get to know that, uh, if you're okay sharing a little bit of that um, before we get into our, our regular chat here. Um, so yeah, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? And if you don't mind sharing some of that, that story of how you got into software. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I'm Scott Moss, like Ken said. Um, I am currently a senior engineer at Netflix. And before that, I was running a SaaS company, like a DevTools company that I founded. Uh, it was a YC-funded company. Um, doesn't sound as cool as it does on paper. It's really hard to do that. Uh, and before that, I, I've done all types of things like consulting and open source and hackathons and working at other companies. So kind of just all over the place. And uh, yeah, my journey, like Ken said, to getting into tech is... I don't know, pretty, pretty different than I would say a lot of people. Um, so uh, starting out, I, I, I don't have a computer science background. You know, I never went to college. Uh, I barely graduated high school after dropping out for a little over a year. And I was raised with seven siblings and just basically extreme poverty in some of the worst neighborhoods in Atlanta, Georgia that you could imagine. And, uh, you know, the future for me wasn't promised. Uh, I didn't really have a good idea of what I wanted to do. Um, but somewhere around my early 20s, when I was in the military, uh, I decided that I wanted to be an engineer. And I think strictly because every time I got on Google and looked up, you know, some of the most fascinating, happiest careers on the planet, software engineering was always on the list. So I was like, hey, you know, why not do that? So when I got out of the military in 2013, uh, I decided to just move to the Bay Area. I was going to learn the code and I was going to get a job and, you know, nothing was going to stop me. So uh, I was able mm. to do that within three months. And yeah, wow. it was pretty crazy. I was able to do that in three months. And, you know, that's pretty much the start of how I got here. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Like, I, I can't even imagine that that uh, that that takes something. And I'd love to talk a little bit or dig a little deeper into what that that takes. Like, how did you manage to go from just got out of the military to paid software engineer in three months. Yeah, so a lot of the work happened before I got out of the military. Um, so around the time, let me see, a couple months before I got out, they decided to medically discharge me for uh, a condition that you know I just wasn't going to work in the military. And mm -hmm. that, that takes a long time. They have to like do all these procedures. They have to diagnose me. So 
you're basically like waiting to get out. You don't know what day it's going to be, but you know you're getting out. So that's when I started looking and trying out different things. And that's when I came across software engineering. And I was like, okay, this sounds interesting. So, you know, back then there wasn't a lot of resources online. So I went to Borders and I bought books and, and things like that. And, you know, I studied, I think the first thing I looked at was like Android development because I was such an Android fanboy back then. I was like, I'm going I'm to make Android apps. And that was just way beyond anything that I could understand <laughs> back then. So uh, I didn't do that, but it kind of gave me an idea of what I was getting myself into. And then eventually I landed on HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And uh, at the same time, I was trying to do like drop shipping or something like that. So I like started this Shopify store and then I was like, oh, this is actually a perfect place for me to practice my HTML and CSS and JavaScript skills on my store. Uh, and I just didn't really know what to do. So like, I remember Shopify having this marketplace of like developers you could reach out to. So I went on there and I found this developer locally in San Diego where I was. And instead of reaching out to him and asking him to help me with my site, I reached out to him and was like, hey, you got any work I could do? Like, I'm trying to learn a code. I know this sounds crazy. Yeah. You don't have to pay me, but I just, I need to learn from someone that's doing something. And he was all about it. He was just like, yeah. He was like, anything I could do to support a veteran? Like, I'm all about it. And he just started giving me like basic HTML, CSS work for like his clients that were actually paying him. And he would show me stuff on the side. And I was just like, wow, this stuff is really powerful. Uh, and you know, yeah, Very I can't cool. believe the stranger is helping me. And to this day, I've never met him face to face. <laughs> but we, yeah, we worked really? together for months uh, on just tons of projects uh, together. And then uh, right when I just when I found out when I was going to get out, I was like, okay, I got to take this serious now. So, or actually, I'm sorry, no, wait, I didn't know when I was getting out yet, but I decided I wanted to take it serious. So I was like, okay, mm. I either got to go to college, I can use my GI Bill, the military will pay for it. Um, or I could try something else. Um, I decided to try something else. I just didn't want to go to college before you didn't want to go to college. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to do something else. So I looked up, you know, how to learn to code fast. And back then there were these things called boot camps, right? There were like maybe two or three at the, the time. They, they, they almost seemed very scammy back then. Like what, what's going to happen? Mm. Like what, what's really going on? Um, so I applied to one of them. And I, I can't remember which one it was. I think it was maybe Dev Bootcamp. Um, I don't remember. Um, and I remember like studying. It was like Ruby. So I was like studying Ruby. I was doing all this stuff. And I went and did the interview. And it was actually with the CEO of the company. And he asked me the most ridiculous brain teaser I've ever been asked, even to this day. And I was just like, uh, what is this? Is, is this what software engineering is about? Because I don't want to do this. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. So I didn't get in there. But... I'm not the type of person to get discouraged. You know, I've been told no my entire life. Nothing has ever worked out my way up until this point. So I was just like, okay, they don't want me. Someone else will. So I tried another school. Uh, and this one was actually called Hack Reactor. And I applied for that one. And I, I, I think I made it through like two or three interviews. But then I did the last one and I failed. I failed miserably mm. uh, because Hack Reactor had a really high bar to get in there. And um, I just, I failed. So I was, just, and then they emailed me and they were like, hey, you can, you can try again in like three months. Um, and that's the earliest we'll let you do it. And I was just like, I can't, I have to do this now. In fact, I got to try again next week. And they were like, "Ooh, well, we did like you, but you just were not technical enough. So we will let you do it again next week. But if you fail, you got to wait a whole nother year. And I was just like, okay, mm -hmm. let's do it. So I just, I took off from work. 
And I studied all the stuff that they quizzed me on, on on the interview. I just doubled down on that, hoping that maybe they'll ask me the same thing or something similar and, and I'll get lucky. And I just studied for a whole week. I booked the interview. And I think this time it was with the CEO, Tony, who, who's actually a good friend of mine now. And he asked me completely different questions. Uh, but somehow I was able to get through it and uh, I passed. So, uh, yeah, I got wow. into Hacker Actor. Still don't know when I'm getting out, but I know I'm starting Hacker Actor in November. Mm. And now it's like September. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, if I don't get out of the Navy, Uh-oh. I'm screwed. Uh, and then, you know, kid you not, the very next day after I got that acceptance from Hacker Actor, I get a call from the VA saying, hey, you're getting out on October 31st. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, wow. Lucky. Seriously, seven <laughs> days before I'm supposed to report to Hacker Actor. So, um, yeah, that's that's how I, I all that happened. Oh, man, that that's an awesome story. I, there are so many things to unpack in that. And um, just uh, the tenacity. And uh, one question that I have for you is like, how did you um, how did you find yourself so committed to this that you were willing to um um, to not give up at all of those spots where it seemed like you, you, you fail one interview to get into a boot camp and you're like, oh man, maybe this, I'm not cut out for this. Like that would be a very natural way to feel. And then you feel, you fail a second one. And now it's like, really? Oh, I guess maybe I'm not, but no, that was not your reaction. How, how did you decide, you know, like it would have been so easy for you to say, well, I guess software dev isn't what I want to do or isn't good for me. I'll just let the military pay for my college and I'll go get a different job. Like, how did you know that software was going to be your thing and, and how did you stay motivated? And yeah, I think it was, I think it's two things. Uh, one is I always think about it like this. If there's something that a human can do, I'm a human. Why can't I do it? Like, you know, Ooh, sure, that. some people are going to be better at other things, but like really what makes someone better at something? It's, it's usually they've been doing it longer. They've been more persistent. Yeah. So I was just like, it's really only a matter of time. It's not so much that like, oh, I'm not cut out for this. It's like, well, I'm not cut out for it right now. Uh, I just, I need more. Yeah. And so, so that's one thing. I'm like, well, if, if this thing is out here and they're saying humans can sign up for it, then they're basically, I should be able to do it too at some point. So I'm, I'm going to keep that. Um, I love that attitude, man. That's yeah. awesome. That's great. Um, and then the next thing was like, even though I failed those interviews, I was so much better after every single one of them, like I felt myself just understanding so much more and getting closer to where they wanted me to be. So I was like, if I just do one more, like I can't imagine how good I'll be. Even if I don't get in, I might even be good enough to do something else myself. But just doing these interviews, mm. it's like, it's, it's, it's actually giving me confidence. Um, it's showing me things that I didn't know. It's, it's like giving me a window into how a professional engineer would think and what they're looking for. It, it, you know, it's giving me needed context that I didn't have um, at the time. So like, I felt like, okay, the more and more I do, the closer I'm getting. And it, because I'm a human, it's only a matter of time before I get there. So that means just keep doing these interviews. Eventually I'll get there. So that was my philosophy. Oh man. I, I love that. I have so many thoughts about that. Like, um, you know, Elon Musk has a different approach to space exploration than like yeah. NASA, right? So NASA will test, test, test for years and years and years, and then they'll launch something and hopefully everything works out. Um, whereas um, SpaceX is like, let's let's do a bunch of testing, but let's launch this thing. Like we we don't know anything until it actually yeah. happens, uh, and then we collect a ton of data on our failure, and and then we uh, do it better next time. And uh, you know, it's kind of like the end to end testing yeah. approach where it's just like just run the thing 
And, uh, and that seems like, uh, and you just learn so much from your failures and you're just not afraid of failure. Um, which uh, I, I think is a really uh, key thing to, to pull out. Yeah, of this. I mean, failure is a necessary tool for success. And I don't know, you know, maybe it's past generations or I don't know where it came from that like failure is such a bad thing. Like I, I've never met a successful person that didn't fail. Like, it's just, it's just not possible. Like you really, that, that is, if you took a test, if you took the SAT and you failed and then they sent you all the answers that you failed on, I guarantee you the next time you take the SAT is going to be, you're going to have such a higher score. You're going to have such an advantage than you did last time. So like you really want to fail and learn from that so you can succeed next time. Right. Well, and it would take, um, you know, self uh, or what's, what's the word? Self-awareness or like um, analyzing your performance, yes. right? Like you can't just keep on doing the same thing over and over again. Like that's not what you did. You, you said, Hey, I'll do this again next week. I'm sure that seven days was filled with a, an outrageous amount of study. Yeah, it was my roommate thought she thought something was wrong with me. So I remember like sliding food <laughs> underneath my door and like checking on me. She's like, you haven't even come out in the week. Are you okay in there? And I was just like, leave me alone. I'm trying to study. Uh, but yeah, it, it was, it was really tough. I remember spending like the last bit of money I had because when I was doing the interviews with them, I noticed they all had MacBooks and I, I didn't have a MacBook. So I was just like, mm. I was like, maybe this doesn't make a difference. I, I'm too naive to understand what the difference between having a Mac and not a Mac right now matters. But if I can align myself cl as closely as I can to what they were doing, you know, it'll feel better. So I, was, I remember spending like my last like 800 bucks on a MacBook on Craigslist just to sit down and learn. And I was just like, I have to do this. And so I was like trying to learn how to use a Mac. I was trying to learn how to code at the same time. I wasn't eating. But, you know, that week, I, I feel like I can remember every minute of that week in my head right now. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a, a amazing. You know, the, it's the um, tenacity of pushing forward and, and um, you know, making changing the rules a little bit for yourself. I, I love that um, um, you went to Hack Reactor, which, by the way, um, at PayPal, we hired a bunch of engineers out of Hack Reactor. They're, they're a great uh, boot camp. They, I, all of those engineers were fabulous. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I loved hiring people from Hack Reactor. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, at Hack Reactor, they say you can interview every like three months until you get in. Um, but you were like, no, I cannot <laughs> wait that long. I need to make it happen now. Like you changed the rules. Yeah. Uh, you said, no, I like um, I need this to happen now. Like and you, you kind of made that that opportunity that didn't exist before. There wasn't an opportunity to, to interview again a week later. Uh, but you made that opportunity, which I think is is also an, another key takeaway. Yeah, there. I mean, you know, in my head, I'm like, well, the worst they can say is no, we're going to double down. And you got to wait three months. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I can deal with that. I can deal with that. The worst case of them saying no, because they already said I had to wait three months. So it doesn't get worse. So I don't have anything to lose here by demanding that I'm going to do it a week from now. And that's just how I thought about it. Absolutely. You, you know, if, if you don't mind indulging me in a, a little story of my own, um, when I was uh, still in school, I had an internship at Domo. Um, who they they ran uh, NG Conf and stuff. Um, and I before I signed on to intern with them, I actually signed on to intern at USAA over the summer. And so I told them, "Hey, I've got this other internship." They're like, "Yeah, that's totally cool. You can come back after your internship, and, and everything will be great." And I was like, "Sweet." Uh, so I, I went on. Uh, you know, to Texas for the internship. And then uh, a couple weeks before coming back, I started emailing the recruiter and my manager and 
and saying, hey, I'm coming back. Like, what, what do you need me to do? And I heard oh. nothing, nothing from them at all. I was like, oh, shoot, like, I'm going to I need to have a job when I get back. Like I, I at this time I was uh, married, had one kid, another girl on the way. And I was like, I need to make some, yeah. some of that money. So um, I like I keep on emailing them radio silence all the way up to like the day before um, I, I get back. Um, and I, I planned on going in, I just emailed them and I said, I'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, I came into the office and go to the front desk reception. I'm, uh, I'm just like, Hey, I'm here. And they're like, uh, who are you here to see? I'd say, go get my manager. And he, he comes back and his face is like, Oh, Kent. Hi. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. Come on back. Like, let's get you a laptop. I oh guess. <laughs> my goodness. I love it. I didn't know that. That is crazy. Yeah. That, and, uh, and then, uh, yeah, that, that was, that was a fun, fun experience. So yeah, just like change the rules, make, you know, make what's the worst could, that could happen. Like in my mind, I was thinking, okay, they'll just send me, send me away and maybe they'll say, no, no, we actually don't want you back. Like that would right. be the worst. Um, but like that doesn't change whether I go right. in or not, I, I'm, they don't want me back either way. Um, or, or maybe they'll just say, Hey, we're not ready for you. Come back next week or whatever. Okay. That's, I can do that too. Uh, that's fine. So uh, yeah, you just kind of analyze um, what uh, what are my what are the things that I can do that I can control in this thing um, to to reach my goal and uh, and let me just exhaust all of those opportunities so that we can make this this dream happen. And again, I'm sorry that uh, that got cut off because the rest of the conversation was awesome, but it's gone forever. <laughs> Sorry. But uh, yeah, thanks again, Scott. You've been awesome. It's just been a pleasure to, to have you on the show. And yeah, we'll see you all in the future. Yeah, y'all take care. Thanks, Kate.